Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Let's talk about these 52, beyond the 52. Today, though we're talking about beyond the 52, meaning the 52 Sundays of the year, I want to start with Sunday. It's important that we at least understand why we gather at this place called church on Sundays, right? And I know many of you have heard the scripture that's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, and I'll share that with you now, where it simply says this, and this is the New Living Translation, I believe. Uh, It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I want y'all to listen to what I just said. This is all the setup for what he's really trying to get us to understand, right? Let us hold tightly without wavering. To the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Then he says this, the second part of the setup. Let us think of ways. How can we hold tightly? Is what he's saying. What ways can we, can we uh, uh, use to hold tightly? Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How can we do that? How can we motivate each other through ways of acts of good, uh, 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 another to acts of love and good works? Here it is. This is how. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This book was written a long, long time ago. This book of Hebrews written to uh, several small groups of churches that were meeting throughout. These were new Jewish Christians meeting in small groups and small homes. And the writer of this particular pericope, this particular scripture, this particular book, he writes to these people to keep them encouraged. And this is how he says it. He says, this is how you get encouraged. Don't forsake being in each other's presence. He says, I know that y'all are under great persecution. I know right now that y'all are facing some dire things, but here's how we remain encouraged and hold on to the hope that God has, the hope of his promise that he's put before us, right? Here's how we hold on to that, by meeting together, by meeting together. And, 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 And for me, this is so important. Because too many of us, as I opened up saying, we're going to check the Christian box, but church is optional. Amen, lights. We check the Christian box, but church is optional. We check the Christian box, but, but, but church is not the priority 
It's just a thing I do because that's what I've always done. I don't do it because this is the place I need to be in. Why? To be encouraged, not by the pastor, but by other believers. So here you have the writer of Hebrews telling this group of many churches of new Jewish Christians facing great persecution. Y'all want to be encouraged? You want to hold on to the promise? You want to find hope in the promise that God gave us? Y'all need to be together. Do not forsake fellowshipping. Do not forsake meeting together. Do not forsake that. And honestly, if I can be truthful with you, he was only giving them a reminder. Because if we look at Acts chapter 2, and we draw our attention to verses 42 to 47, we see in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we have the birth of the church. The church is born. Something happens. We see in the first chapter, they're told to go to, to this place and go to the upper room. And the disciples are in the upper room, about 120 of them. And, and, and Jesus gives them instructions. Stay here. I'm sending somebody. When the advocate comes, you'll know what to do. So the advocate comes. They're in the upper room. And after the advocate pays them a visit, Peter steps out of there. He looks around during the day of Pentecost. And he's like, you know what? Give me the mic. I got something to say. Peter preached a message, and the Bible says that day, thousands were saved. Thousands became believers. But, oh, my goodness, that's not the end of the story. Because not only did they become believers, here's how they stayed believers. Here's how the movement grew, right? Here it is. The Bible says, meet me over in the book of Acts so you can see I'm not lying. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 42, all the believers, this is after Peter preached, after they hung out, this is what they did afterward. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Pause right there. Just put your finger on the pause button. I want to show you something. Catch what the writer here is saying. And the writer of this book is Luke. He says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Okay. They met together in one place, all the believers. Now, when I first read this, can I tell you? I was like, how is thousands of people meeting in one place? Like, did they, they didn't have mega churches back then. How is that even possible that thousands of people were meeting in one place? And I've always thought of it, watch this, as a building. But the Bible never says that they met in one place in a building. They met in one place geographically. But here's the other part. They met in one place spiritually. The Bible says that they had all things in common, meaning they were all connected spiritually. They met in one place geographically, and they met in one place spiritually. 45. And because they did that, this is what happens next. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Pause for a reason. Pause for a moment. You've got to understand how the writer is trying to set you up. What did I say? They met all together in one place, geographically and spiritually. When we're on one accord in the same place spiritually, I don't mind selling my possessions to make sure that you don't have any uh, needs. 
I'm not looking at, uh, uh, I was going to use that for something else. I, I wasn't looking in my closet saying, one day I'm going to wear this outfit. <laughs> I wasn't looking at that extra car saying, you know what? I ain't going to just give away no $4,000, $5,000 car. I can sell that. Ooh. Glory to God. I'm not going to just sell property because I want to give it to my kids one day because maybe they'll do something with it. I'm not going to just give that away. And you know why we don't do that? Because we are not in the same place, geographically or spiritually. They had no problem doing that because they were in the same place geographically, but the most important part, spiritually. And when they saw what had happened, they said, we've got to do whatever we can within our power to keep this thing going and make it better. 46. So after they sold their possessions, right? Nobody complained about selling their possessions. Nobody was upset that they sold their possessions. Guess what they did next? They worshiped together at the temple on Sundays. Right? No? What does it say? Each day, er day, every day, all the time. And after meeting at the church house every day, they met in homes. Why? So that they could partake of holy sacrament that we call the Lord's Supper. And not only that, after they ate the Lord's Supper, they said, now I'm hungry. So now they say, and they shared meals. And this is the best part, with great joy and generosity. It was like a floodgate was opened. They were like, this is, this is our commitment to meet every day. It was like, I can't get enough of you. I want to see you every day. And, and check this out. I can't get enough of you so much that, that I want to not only break bread with you and see you every day, but let's have meals together. Like, I love you. We were strangers before the day of Pentecost, but after the day of Pentecost, for some reason, I see you as my new flesh and blood. Because we do share the same blood, and it's the blood of Christ. This is why they took the posture that a brother would take of another brother or a brother would take of a sister or a sister would take of a sister because the DNA that they were born with has now changed and they share a different DNA that is in common because they were in the same place spiritually and geographically. And now their new DNA is not their last name. Their new DNA is the blood of Christ. This is why they had no problem selling possessions. This is why they had no problem meeting to every day in somebody's home. And I believe, this is just me, and if I could go back in time, I might be right. I believe that, that nobody was like, oh, I can't, I can't have nobody over today because I left laundry out. I, I believe nobody was like, I don't know, I don't just want people all up in my house. I don't know you like that. <laughs> I don't think that was the posture they took. I don't, I don't think they were like, yo, man, do they feet stink? Yo, cut, leave your shoes off outside. Because back then they wore sandals, so everybody's feet stunk. That's why they have foot washing ceremonies. I'm just playing, but I believe so. <laughs> Follow what I'm saying. The stuff that prevents us from being like the church that was born this day, they had no problems with. Yes, you can come to my house. They did, watch this. Watch this. The Bible left this out, but think about it. They didn't say, I don't know if I can have people at my house. I don't know if I got enough food. They're like, come to my house. We're going to break bread. 
I got bread, you got meat, you got potatoes, you got rice. We got a meal. Who got the wine? Sam, all right, good. We're good to go. <laughs> they weren't worried about all that stuff. It wasn't about do I have enough, do you have enough? Listen, whatever you got is enough, and God will multiply it. But we got to meet together to strengthen and encourage each other because this thing that happened to us has never happened in the history of the world. So we have to be committed to breaking bread and sharing moments and, and worship. And watch this. Because they did that, there was great joy. The Bible didn't say there was great happiness. You know why the Bible didn't say it was great happiness? Because happiness is fleeting. Happiness is what you feel when your team wins today, if they win. Happiness is what you feel when you get your paycheck or that bonus, right? Y'all know how you feel when you get an unexpected bonus? Whoa, thank you, Lord Jesus. But that minute that, that bonus going, you're like, man, what did I spend that on? That's happiness. That's happiness. They had joy. And that's important for you to catch that they had joy because they faced great persecution. But in the face of persecution, joy never left their hearts. Happiness did, but joy remained a constant. How do I know? Because they continued to grow. People were still growing in their faith. Why? Because joy remained. And because joy remained, generosity was the outcome. Generosity was how that joy was expressed. Now, let's go to verse 47. This is where we're going to kind of put it all together. And all the while, check this out. So they, they did all of these things and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And guess what God did? And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you see how he added to the numbers? Not once did he say, because Peter kept preaching well. <laughs> Not once did it say, oh man, they had the best worship team in Jerusalem. They had the Jubilee Jerusalem choir of the first chapter. You know, no, no, no. They didn't say that. It said God added to the numbers because of what they did. And just meeting together and encouraging each other and partaking of the Lord's Supper and devoting themselves to the apostles teaching. And every day, because they committed to meeting together, God said, I'm going to give you the increase. The people who sold possessions, they weren't like, oh, I no longer have possessions. I don't have possessions, but I'm possessed by the possessor. That's greater than anything I could ever own on this side of heaven. This is the early church. Why, why are you saying this, Pastor B? What does that have to do with beyond the 52? I just explained to you. They didn't meet just on the 52 Sundays of the month of the year. They met every day at each other's house. And here's what that word is called. When we say the word fellowship, there's a Greek word that we first see in the New Testament. We don't, we don't see this word anywhere prior until this very scripture that I just shared with you in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The word for fellowship is a word called koinonia koinonia and the first time we see this word koinonia is when the church is born the next time we see it I shared it with you earlier do not forsake the koinonia of others so the writer of Hebrews was simply reminding these new Jewish converts these new Jewish Christians don't forsake 
what this whole thing was started on. The principle, the purpose, the foundation of our growth. Fellowship. Don't forsake meeting together. Don't forsake associating with other believers. Don't make that a secondary thing. Make that a primary thing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to stretch you, right? Right? I'm going to make it. I'm going to tell you what they did. They didn't make it a primary thing. They made it their way of life. Life as they had known it prior to the day of Pentecost had forever changed. They didn't make a heart transformation and that was it. They didn't accept salvation and that was it. And they said, let's just meet on the first week, day of the week. They said, no, we have a lifestyle change. The people I used to hang with, if they ain't hanging together with me every day and meeting at the Lord's temple and meeting at other houses for supper, then they can't hang. I've got a new community of people that I'm hanging with because this is where I'm at. My whole life has changed. I'm not hanging where I used to hang. I'm not hanging with who I used to hang with. I'm hanging with the people that are with me in this movement called the way that you and I today call Christianity. And then the writer in Hebrew reminds these Jewish people who are meeting in these small churches in the area. Don't forsake that. If you want to grow. If you want to if you want to get over what we're facing in terms of the persecution that we're facing. We've got to do like the early church did. And we have not we have to make sure that we meet frequently in each other's home at the temple every day, breaking bread and fellowship. We've got to sell possessions. Right. Because possessions possess us. Right. That's that's why we don't get rid of stuff. That's why one of the fastest growing commercial real estate areas that we know about right now is guess what? Storage units. They're popping up everywhere. I got realtors in here that will confirm that. Everywhere you go, commercial units that are the, the, the biggest one. You see a piece of land, oh, I'm going to put a storage unit there. You know why? Because we pay a lot of money each month to store stuff that we ain't going to never use again. Because ain't that many people in transition, if I can be honest. Because we're possessed by our possessions. Y'all could sell that stuff. Our church, our board, uh, the members of this church always come to me and say, hey, pastor, what can we do outside of collecting tithe and offering on Sunday to help raise money for our church? You know, and there's some great ideas, you know, car washes. I've heard that. I've heard let's sell, you know, dinners. And I used to, I ain't going to lie. I wasn't even a Christian back in the day, but I used to go to local church and get me some fish. In New York, we used to do fish and spaghetti. Okay, and I used to get me some fish and spaghetti dinners at the little spot, you understand, at the church and be good. So some fried chicken dinners, white bread, too. Huh? Not this wheat. Y'all done got fancy. I didn't even know wheat was a kind of bread until I became an adult. White bread and you put the chicken wing on the bread and you fold it like a hot dog. I'm going to teach y'all how to eat today. <laughs> huh? And so I always tell the church, I was like, yo, those are great ideas, but if they didn't do it in the Bible, I won't do it at our church. And so I tell them, you know, we can do that the early church did is sell our possessions. That's, you, want, you, want, you want to help your church with some money? Sell your stuff that you ain't using and bring your money to the church house so that we can continue to feed the kids at the number of schools that we feed in this community. Which is, I'm about to do a shameless plug for that, our backpack blessings. 
When we first started Backpack Blessings, our budget to do Backpack Blessings was $100 for the entire year almost, right? And then we went from $100 for the entire year to about $100 a month because that's how many kids we were feeding. Right now, we're feeding so many kids, our budget is $100 a week that we do not take from the church budget. So if you want to sell your possessions and give to the church house and feed some kids that's going home every Friday with supplemental food, that's how you could do it. Really easy. But our budget is $100 a week. And the teachers asked our outreach coordinator, Mrs. Smith, how many more kids can you take? So she called me. She said, Pastor, how many more kids can, you, can we take? I said, as many as you need. Let me worry about the money. Let God worry about the money. Me and God going to find a way to get the money, but no kid will we say no to. Every kid will go home with a backpack on Friday that needs one and have some food. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to be here listening to me preach. You're not called here to be fed. Ooh, I shouldn't have said that, huh, Sister Celeste? She's like, oh, Pastor, you done said it now. We're called to go. We come together to go out. We gather to be sent. They gathered. They did this every day, not because they just wanted to do it. If they just, check this out. Let me show you the proof of that. If they gathered every day just for the sake of gathering, do you realize it would have stayed at just 3,000 people? Clearly, somebody left the, the huddle and said, yo, I got to tell somebody about what just happened here. And then they went and said, hold on, I got to leave the huddle today because I got to tell somebody what just happened here. Do you know they showed up, Eddie, and they were selling possessions? And then your neighbor like, say what? You mean they sold all their stuff? That dude owned 150 acres of land. He sold all of it. Yes, sir. And what they do with the money? They gave it to poor people. You got to be kidding me. I need to see what's going on over there. You know what they did at the church today? They sold possessions. What? And they meet at each other's house every day. Are you kidding me? What do they do? I don't know. They, they, they break bread. They drink wine. And then they go out and tell us about what they did. Are you serious? Yeah. And people were slayed in the spirit and they were accepting Jesus. It was crazy. Are you kidding me? I got to go over there and see what's going on. That's how this thing grew. Because they didn't just meet for the sake of meeting. They met so they could be encouraged to go and do it again every day. Bible says they met for supper. Read your Bible. It says that. They met for supper. Then say they met for lunch. So between supper time, they were out doing the work. Between, between the time that they met in the morning and supper time, they were doing the work. They were sharing the gospel. They were talking about what was going on. And the Bible says that God added to their number daily. Not because they were just meeting. And I'm stopped by to tell you this morning, just because we meet don't mean we're going to grow. Just because you listen to me preach on Sunday don't mean you're going to grow. If you don't take what I'm preaching about and apply it to your life, then you've just been inspired and motivated. But if you don't apply it and change your heart, you just came to a pep rally and that was it. And I would say next time bring your pom-pom so I know you're paying attention. <laughs> Follow what I'm saying? Koinonia, koinonia, koinonia is this. It's fellowship, it's association. Catch this word. It's community. Community is not where you live, community is what you build. 
Oh, I just preached the word right there. I could do the benediction on that. Community is not where you live. It's what you build. We build community. Jesus did not come, watch this, to build buildings. He came to build people who ultimately build community. You think my Savior died on that old wooden cross on Calvary so that he can build a whole bunch of multi-million dollar buildings? No. He said, I want to build a whole bunch of multi-million dollar people to go build multi-million dollar communities. And I'm not talking about real dollars. I'm talking about heavenly dollars that never, ever expire, that never, ever lose their value, that always increase in terms of what their worth is. Hallelujah. He didn't come to build buildings. He came to build people that got together to encourage one another to build other people. Are you with me this morning? I want to help you with this right now. You may grow in your knowledge on your own. You may grow in your faith on your own. But you will not grow in your relationship with Christ Outside of the fellowship of other believers. I'm telling you right now, you cannot grow in your relationship with Christ outside of your fellowship of other believers. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I just want to tell you, if you walk in this thing called life by yourself, the enemy sees that and you are perfect prey. The enemy sees you when you all by yourself and the enemy is looking for the winkling, the one that he can speak lies to in their ear, the one that he could discourage with distractions. The enemy is looking for the straggler, the one who fell behind, the one who is all by himself. And I just want to tell you this morning, that isolation is the playground of the enemy this is why the writer says do not forsake fellowshipping with other believers why because we have to be encouraged we have to be protected we have to be covered we have to know that if I'm going into the battles if I'm fighting the battles then I'm not in it by myself I got some people that's going to pray the enemy out of me I got some people that's going to pray some stuff into existence with me I got some people that I can be naked with because of my issues and they cannot judge me but love me through it but if you're isolated, hallelujah, if you're isolated, who are you going to lean on? If you're isolated, who are you going to call on? If you're isolated, you're susceptible to believing the lies that the enemy tells you. If you're by yourself, you'll believe the lie that you're not good enough. If you're by yourself, you'll believe the lies that you're not qualified. If you're by yourself, you'll believe the lies that you don't look good enough. Uh, if you love by yourself, you believe the lies. You don't belong in that meeting. You don't have the credentials to be in that meeting. But if you got people around you that, are, that believe in you, that believe in the God in you, they'll speak truth in you. When you say, no, I'm not qualified, they'll say, uh-uh, God qualifies those he calls. <laughs> when you're walking in life and you fear and doubt, somebody that's in your life will say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of sound mind. I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> if you're walking by yourself, you believe the lies of the enemy. That you are not a victor, but you are a victim. But when you're walking with people, somebody will say, God made you the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror in Christ who strengthens you. 
Are you with me this morning? When you're in isolation, the only voice you hear is that of your own or that of the enemy. This is why we forsake not the fellowship. Because we're in fellowship with other believers. They're encouraging us. They're strengthening us. Every day you live on this earth doesn't get easier. It gets harder. Because every day you live on this earth, you told the devil, I'm still here. You thought you had me. I'm still here. You thought I was down. I'm still here. I know I took a knee, but I'm still here. I know I lost a round, but I'm still here. And the enemy keeps throwing everything at you. But somebody in your life will tell you, baby, I know you're going through it. But no weapon forms you shall be prosperous. Hallelujah. This is why we don't forsake the fellowship. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Because if you got people walking with you, they will show you the blind spots you can't see. The Bible tells us that the devil is like a lion. Matter of fact, I'm going to say it the way it says it. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're walking down Oakdale Road, minding your business, and you hear the roar of a lion, he ain't going to sneak up on you, is he? You're going to hear him, and you're going to know, and you're going to respond. You'll take the fight or flight route. Am I right about it? So why would the Bible say that the devil is like a lion, roaring lion, seeking who he can devour? You know why the Bible says that? It's because many of us hear the devil, but we try to say it's something else. Many of us hear the devil and we say, God is testing me. God ain't testing you this time, buddy, buddy. That's the enemy all up in your ear. Many of us hear the devil right in our backyard roaring at us and you blame it on something other than what it is. But when you got people in your corner walking with you, they'll encourage you and remind you of what the word says. The Bible is living and breathing and check this out, active. It's not deactive. It's not turned off. There's no shut off valve for the word of the Bible. It's living, it's breathing, and it's active. It's not a book, and church is not an organization. The Bible is living, breathing organism, and the body of Christ is the organism that pushes it out there. But if you're not in the fellowship of others, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. You'll miss it. You'll miss it. Romans 1 through 12, 1 and 12 says this. Romans 1 through 12 says this. When we get together... Paul says, I want to encourage you in your faith. But here's the other part. I also want to be encouraged by yours. That's koinonia. That's what Pastor B is saying. When I come up here and I got this mic in my hand and I'm up here all by myself. Listen, I'm sharing this word with y'all. I want to encourage you. But I sure enough want some encouragement myself. I come here not because I'm called to just preach. I come because I need Jesus too. Just because my title is pastor don't mean I don't have issues. Uh, Y'all know I'm a transparent pastor. Y'all done heard my stories about pulling over and me and my man almost started getting into some situation. Yeah, I mean, I still need prayer too. I need encouragement. I need encouragement when I look in in, in, in this church and I see my wonderful congregation. But then I look at my friend's church and I see, oh my goodness, wow, they had like a million people show up and 10,000 of them got baptized. Whoa, I need encouragement. God, why you ain't doing that for Mose? Oh, hallelujah. I need encouragement when I see we just, we just paid our first mortgage payment, by the way, on a building we now own officially. Mm-hmm. 
But I need encouragement when I see my friend like, oh, man, they just gave us a church. Say, what now? Why Jesus do that for you and ain't do that for me? I need encouragement, church. Help me now. <laughs> so I come to encourage you, but I need encouragement. And you know how I get encouragement? When I see lives change. When I see people applying what we just preached about on Sunday morning. That's how I get encouragement. So we, we, we come together, fellowship for encouragement, but also we gather, watch this, for protection. If the enemy is like a roaring lion, meaning he's loud mouth, seeking who he can devour, I need y'all to protect me and encourage me, right? After you encourage me, I need you to say, now let me lay hands on you and pray over you. <laughs> let me pray a blessing over you, right? I mean, I mean, honestly, I want you to be protecting those who are in the flock. Guess what? The pastor's not the only one qualified to do it. If you are a Christian, you are automatically a minister. Don't, 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 don't meet somebody who's going through some stuff and you say, you know what? Let me text my pastor and have him pray for you. Don't see somebody going through something and you, and you, and you emoji them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all be like, oh, like, I need prayer. You like emoji prayer hands. And I found out, I don't know if it's true, but somebody said those aren't even prayer hands. That's a high five. So y'all like high-fiving them. Y'all ain't even praying for them. Y'all like, high five. <laughs> Pray for me. High five. <laughs> I'm about to go into surgery. High five. <laughs> y'all got the emoji all messed up. We just done hijacked it from what its real meaning is. Just like Christians. Well, I tell you, y'all be so holy. I'm just playing. But we come together for protection. We come together for protection. We come together for protection. Number three, we come together for growth. We come together for growth. If you come here and then you ain't growing in your faith, if you come here and you're not growing in your belief, if you come here and you're not growing in your desire to want more, if you come here and you leave here full and you still not hungry, then you're not growing. You should never be full. I'm never full on the word, ever. I, I'm, I, I'm still thirsty. I'm still hungry for Christ. I come here. You know why I come to this church at 6.30, 7 o'clock on Sunday mornings? Because I'm hungry for God. I'm desperate for him. I'm like, God, listen, I need you. I know I'm about to get up here and help people get closer to you. But right now, I need you. And Elder Danny and I will be here laid out on the floor walking around here. We both crying. That's how I discovered we have no tissue today. Because I was crying. I'm like, where the tissue at? We ain't got no, we ain't got no tissue. Oh, Jesus. I was having a moment. I was too bougie to use toilet paper. I didn't want it to mess up my sweater. No, I'm serious. I come in here because your pastor is desperate for Christ in hopes that you would take the same posture and be desperate for Christ every time you come here, that you are not content with your lifestyle. I don't care if you have a bazillion dollars in the bank. I don't care if all your bills are paid off. I don't care if you have the best kids in the world that are angels. I don't care if your world is perfect. I don't ever want you to be comfortable with the amount of Christ you have in your life. I want you to always be desperate for him because that's what he wants. Because the minute you're not desperate for him, you believe in yourself more than you believe in in him oh I'm good like oh, you need prayer I'm good I prayed this morning but the Bible says when two or three come to agreement 
two or three come to agreement. Agreement in prayer. Right? When two or three come to agreement in anything, right, God answers it. He touches, he gives it, he blesses it. Right? So, so if, if you say, hey, I'm good, I don't need prayer, I did that this morning, well, let me agree with you. Because the Bible says if when two or three agree on anything, he is there. So I know you prayed by yourself, sis. I know you prayed by yourself, bro. But check this out. Because the Bible says where two or three agree, let me agree with what you prayed about this morning. That's fellowship. That's growth. We come together for support. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says this, and I'm almost done. He says, I also tell you this, that if you agree here on earth on if you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask this is what I just said to you. Anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers this is why you have to be with other followers. Catch that. I am there among you. This is why we can't forsake the fellowship, the koinonia, the community. The movement. We've got to be in each other's life. But y'all, I get it. You know, uh, we don't like to let people in our business. I don't need you to know I got issues. Because I'm afraid you're going to say something about me. I don't need you to know I got issues because, man, your, your, your marriage looks perfect. So I, I don't want you to know that I, mine ain't. I, I, I don't want to let you know my business because your kids are perfect, but mine... They're running around here with horns on their head. I, I, don't, I don't want you in my business because you look like you're financially sound and I'm struggling. I got more month than I have money. I don't want to let you in my business because I'm afraid that you'll judge me because the church historically has done that. But I'm here to tell you, not the early church, not the church in chapter, four, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 42 through 47. That church didn't do that. Or else they would have never sold their possessions. They sold their possessions because somebody said, I have a need. And they said, I ain't got no money. But I got possessions to meet your need. Catch what I just said. I don't got no money, but I got possessions that I can get rid of to meet your need. But if you don't share and if you forsake the fellowship of other believers, you will never get the help you want. And many of us say this. This is, this is classic. Can I help you out with some, crash, some classic Christianese? The Lord will provide. I'm operating in faith. But the brother of Jesus, the brother by the name of James, reminded us that faith without works is dead. Huh? And we mix that up. You're like, well, I got to work. I got to be working. And he said, no, 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 no. You just got to position yourself. Work your legs and position yourself. Watch this. Work your mouth and tell somebody you have need. Come on, somebody faith without all kinds of works is dead you can't operate in faith and not put something toward it so we have to open up our mouths let people know hey we're going through something watch this check this out the church my brothers and sisters not the building but the community the koinonia the fellowship the church is in fact the sole entity that God has entrusted with both the with the capability and the responsibility of displaying and declaring his glory into this world. 
Catch what I just said. The church, us, the koinonia, the fellowship is, in fact, the sole entity, nothing else. It is the sole entity that God has entrusted with both the capability and the responsibility of displaying and declaring his glory to the world. There is no plan B. God is not saying if the church folk don't get it right, I'm going to try something else. He did that already. Then he made a promise that he can't take back. Old Testament. He wiped out an entire, an entire generation, an entire race of people. We see that. And he said, after this moment, I ain't going to do that no more. I will never do that again. God is not a man that he shall lie. So he will not go back on his promise. So he says, so since I don't longer have a plan B, my plan A got to work. And my plan A is koinonia, the church, the body of Christ, the fellowship of other believers. That is my only way. That is my only plan. And I'm going to give them the capability and the responsibility to share the glory of who I am with the entire world to the ends of the earth until I come back. But if we're forsaken, if we're, if we're forsaken the fellowship, we're dishonoring God. I had to say it, Elder. We forsake the fellowship. If church is just a thing we do on a calendar, if church is just something we do to say we go to church and I'm a Christian and as a Christian, that's what I'm supposed to do. If that's all your Christianity is, is about, then just join a country club. You have better, better, better options. You got better benefits even. They at least have a pool and you don't have to make a confession to get into it. Just pay your dues. Glory to God. goes beyond these four walls beyond these four walls amen here's the final thing and then i'm done i want to give you this 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 statement hmm. holy ghost thank you thank you god there are parts of a believer's faith life that are individualized and then there are parts that are communal to experience the fullness of God's character, it requires a commitment to both what is individual and to what is communal. So let me say this this way. To experience the fullness of God's character, we have to have moments of solitude, but we have to have moments where we're gathering regularly. You want to be a Christian? You want to feel the fullness of God's character? You cannot, Bible says you cannot forsake getting together regularly. Regularly. And guess what? It's not for me. It's not for me. Because I'll tell you, there's, you know, early in our, in our, in our church days, in our early church days, man, literally, it would be like 10 people out there. And I preach like I was Peter preaching to thousands because I don't care. It's not about that for me. I count numbers because they, they count the numbers in the Bible. How do we know that there were 3,000 that gave their life that day when Peter preached? Right. Right. Apparently somebody was like, there. one, two, three, four, five. How many you got over there, James? <laughs> what about you, Matthias? Huh? Okay, put that together. That's about, that's about 3,000. 3, just men. We ain't going to count the women. That's just way too many. And the kids, you just count the men, and then we can just guess the rest. That's what they did. I'm being real. So I count numbers because they count the numbers, but numbers don't dictate the authenticity, the fire that I preach to you all every Sunday. But 
when I see empty seats, my heart breaks because I know God's heart breaks. Why are the seats empty? If it's because we don't have a worship team, then you got a heart issue. Why are the seats empty? It's because the church is old. We got a heart issue. Because people in Africa and Asia, listen, they meet in any way they can, the best way they can. Subway stations, bathrooms in the subway station, right? I dare you all to go down to the Greyhound station down there by, uh, uh, what is that called, Magic City. I heard they got good chicken, I'm just saying. Don't go to Magic City. Go to the Greyhound station by Magic City. Don't get it twisted. Don't be like, Pastor said, I can go to Magic City. What's up? What's up? I got my singles. <laughs> Make it rain. No, I ain't say that. I said, I dare you to go to the Greyhound station across from there and start ministering to somebody in the bathroom. You will find in that bathroom drug addicts, prostitutes, those who are being trafficked, and everything else. But we too bougie to go to the Greyhound station and minister. And I wouldn't tell you nothing that I don't already do. I'm just being legitly true with you. Walk in the Walmart bathroom. Oh, that's a show. <laughs> be careful. Just be careful. When you walk in. But I'm seriously, I'll minister to anybody. I mean, not while they're using the restroom. That'd be kind of weird. But if I'm in there and we're washing hands and they got something and the Holy Ghost put something on me, I'm, hey, God bless you. How you doing today? You know, whatever the case may be. In these bathrooms, hell is happening. But we feel comfortable Trying to, this is the funny thing. We want to fight hell in church. Isn't that great? Now, I know hell exists in church, but we fighting hell in church. When hell is out there. And the only reason hell gets here is because it comes in here, but we need to fight it out there. So when we come in here, we're focused on encouraging and equipping and then going out and helping. This is why we say don't forsake the fellowship. So that you can be sent to help others. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.